Well, good morning, River Ridge. How's everybody doing this morning? Welcome out. Welcome to those who are joining us online. However, you might be here with us. Uh, we appreciate you spending a little bit of time with us this morning as we start a brand new series called Living Life As. And as we're getting into this, happy Mother's Day to all you moms out there. We pray that this would be a, a special treat for you all as well. But over the next four weeks, we're gonna be talking about how God designed us to live in whatever season we find ourselves in. And uh, by, by my great intuitive nature, I can tell everybody in this room is in one of two broad categories. Either you're a man or a woman, and you're either married or single. And so what we're gonna do over the next four weeks is talk through each of those. We're gonna talk about how it is that God designed us to live as a man or as a woman, and then transfer that into the relationships that we have either as we're single or as we're married. And today we are beginning with the living life as a man. And some of you, perhaps all of you are saying, what? It's Mother's Day. What are you doing talking about living life as a man on Mother's Day? Well, I'm glad you asked, even though I don't appreciate the tone of your thoughts. So let me answer that question for you. Uh, here's why we're doing this. is because the greatest gift that a woman could receive, whether you are a mother or not, is for the men in your life to be godly men, to, to live as God designed them to be. Your life as a woman, whether you're single or married, whether you have kids or you don't have kids, would be richer, would be fuller, would be more blessed if the men in your life would embrace the way that God designed them to be, whether that's your husband or your father or your boys at home. And so that is why we are talking about living life as a man on Mother's Day. Plus, statistically, we know that there are more men here on Mother's Day than there are on Father's Day, so we gotcha. <laughs> so now, uh, before we dive in, here are some ground rules. Um, ladies, I'm gonna, I'm gonna approach this like a fireside chat with the guys in here this morning. So, so no nudging, no elbowing, no staring down the line because here's what will happen if you do that, is that the, some of the progress that God wants to make in the lives of your men will go away. So give us a little bit of time to be able to process this. And then men, some, there are going to be some things today that you hear that you're going to be tempted to beat yourself up on, that you're going to be tempted to say, I mean, I'm just a failure. And, and I want to um, counsel you, don't do that. J just ask the question, where am I right now? And where do I want to be? And take some gradual steps in that direction. And then lastly, ladies, while it, is, while it is true that I'm gonna be talking to the guys, the truths that we're gonna be talking about through scripture still apply to your life. So don't check out during this time. So with that in mind, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and we will get there in just a little bit. Uh, I'm just about to turn 43 here in, in a few weeks and that kind of puts me in a weird spot because some of you in the room are looking at that age saying, man, you're still really young. And then there are some in the room who are going, man, you're pretty old right now. So I, I kind of feel like I, I'm in this halftime of my life. And as a result of that, I find that I'm doing a lot of evaluation, a lot of self-reflection and looking back on my life. And, and there are some things that I look in my life that I'm pleased with the progress that God has brought into my life in, in this journey through manhood. And, and there are some things that I look at and say, I, I'm still not hitting the mark. And, and I can look back on this journey into and through manhood and see some times in my life where I've made this a whole lot more difficult than I needed to because of my action or because of my inaction in some cases. So this message lands 
pretty heavy on me. As I've been preparing through this, I, I'm realizing even more so that, that I still have a lot of work to do in my life. And then I add to that the idea that I have three boys at home, age 16 and 11 and four, and I want to save my boys some of the heartache and some of the wasted time and wasted energy that I've seen in my life and get them on the path to God's plan for their lives. Here's what I know to be true. In the back of every boy's mind is this haunting question. What does it mean to be a man? How will I know if I become a man? When does it happen? Uh, last year, we were uh, just over dinner one time uh, talking about some of the goals or some of the plans that, that the kids have, what they, what they wanted to be when they grew up. And, and our 11-year-old boy looked at us and said, I, I want to do two things when I grow up. I want to grow a beard and I want to jump off a roof. <laughs> Is that what it means to be a man? What, what does it mean to be a man in, in our culture? Is it the first fight? The first kiss, your first car, your first house, your first kid. If you have boys in your life, whether that's sons, grandsons, maybe boys that, that, that you're coaching on the little league team, I can assure you that they are all asking this question. What does it mean to be a man? And if you're like me, I, I don't want my boys to guess at that. I don't want them just feeling their way through life and stumbling through life. I, I want to walk shoulder to shoulder with them as they begin to discover who it is and what it is that God designed them to be as men. I came across this quote this week that I think captures the weight that men feel when we start talking about manhood. It says this, true manhood isn't unearthed by accident. It doesn't simply happen as we get older or as circumstances change. We don't wake up as men one day. We don't stumble into it. Listen to this, it's handed down from one generation to the next. I think if we're honest, most of us in this room are still haunted by that question. What, what does it mean to be a man? Because I think it reminds us that we are not yet where we want to be. It reminds us that there are still some things that God wants to grow in us as men. You see, being a man doesn't have anything to do with age. I've seen 15-year-olds that act like men, and I've seen 55-year-olds that act like boys. Being a man is not about age. Being a man is about the character of his heart. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And we're going to focus our attention on just two verses at the very end of 1 Corinthians. Um, this is a letter from the Apostle Paul. And he wrote this letter to address a lot of things going on inside of this Corinthian church. And they needed a lot of guidance and they needed a lot of correction from Paul. And so as Paul finishes up this letter, he in essence gathers the guys around and he gives them four charges to ensure that they were men of character, that they could carry forward the vision that God has for the church. And if we as men will take hold of these charges in our own lives, we will position ourselves to experience the life that God designed for us. And we will experience a thriving life. So we'll pick up in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13 and 14. Paul tells these men, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be men of courage, be strong. 
and do everything in love. So we're going to tackle each of those four charges this morning and apply them into our lives as men. Paul starts off and he, he tells them, be on your guard. He starts off this list by commanding them to stay awake, to be attentive, to be wise to what's going on in their lives. It, it kind of, in my mind, brings to mention or brings to mind a, like a man in a watchtower. And he's looking on the horizon of his life, looking for ways that he might come under attack in some way. If you're taking notes, the first key to a thriving life as a man is to be a man of integrity. Integrity means full, whole, complete, unbroken. It's the opposite of being divided. It means that you are the same on the inside as you portray to the outside world. Oftentimes, our tendency as guys is to hide what's really going on inside of us. We think that, you know, I, I'll get around to, to cleaning up that thing in my life. But in the meanwhile, until I get time to do that, I'm going to pretend like everything is fine. Keeping it all on the inside is, is the downside of the man's hard wiring to be protectors and providers. We, we feel like it would be a weakness to let someone know what's going on inside of us. But integrity means that, that we're not hiding our faults. Instead, we are honestly confronting the weaknesses and the failures and the limitations in our lives and finding a way to strengthen those and to move forward. It, it's kind of like if you ever played sports or, or trained for a race or something like that and you get one of those nagging injuries, maybe you twist your ankle or you, you pull a muscle or you, you get tendonitis or something like that and you become fully aware that this injury, that this weakness in your body is holding you back from being able to do what it is that you want to do. And you realize that you can't just continue to ignore it. So instead what you do is you focus your attention on the weakness. You focus your attention on what's hurting and then you do the rehab necessary to strengthen it until you're back out there again. It's the same way that you get a healthy soul. The way that we grow in our integrity is to confront our weakness, to name it. We give it focused attention and then we do the rehab necessary to strengthen that weakness in our lives. Being a man of integrity begins with being self-aware of our weaknesses, being self-aware of the limitations that we bring to life. Proverbs 4.23 is one of the life verses that has really shaped me. And it says, above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. It is out of what's going on inside of our heart that our lives are lived out. So we need to spend some time each day evaluating what's going on in here, evaluating what's the condition of our hearts and recognizing those areas where we tend to fail, where we tend to stumble the most. As men, we tend to act like we are stronger than we are, but if we're honest, there's some toxic stuff that's brewing on the inside lust, out of control rage, anxiety, insecurities, shame, and left unnamed and left unchecked, we will begin to live out of those and make a train wreck of our lives. And we'll have all this collateral damage and we will hurt the people. We will damage the relationships that we care about the most. We can't ignore it forever. So the, the first step that we have to do is to confront it, 
to, to name it, to know what's going on inside of you, to bring it out of the darkness and lay it out in front of you and give it a name. The key word to growing in integrity as a man is the word confession. Guys, you, you may want to write this down. It's not in your notes, but here's a working definition of confession. Confession is bringing my failures to a loving God and agreeing that I need his help to overcome them. That God is not this distant God with his arms folded and looking down at you sternly. He is a loving heavenly father that wants you to bring your weaknesses to him so that he can help you get stronger in that area. And then once you call out that weakness, you have to start rehabbing that. You have to start strengthening that area in your life. Getting stronger at resisting future temptations depends on what you do between those times of temptation. What are you filling your heart with? What are you filling your mind with? Who are you listening to? What are you reading? And if you will pay attention to that and begin to strengthen those areas of weaknesses, here's what a man of integrity will begin to see in his life. The amount of time between when I recognize a failure in my life and when I confess that to the Lord gets smaller. And, and I will begin to become more and more aware of how it is that I'm tempted. I, I will recognize those triggers in my life, the, those places, the, the people that I hang around with, the times of the day that, that trigger my temptation and I will begin to avoid those things. And ultimately what you will find is that the length of time between failures gets longer over time, but it hinges on confession, recognizing when I begin to feel weakness or when I fail, and taking those to the Lord as quickly as I can. So at first, Paul says, be on guard. And then he continues, he says, stand firm in the faith. Paul tells these men to stand firm, to don't give in, to stay rooted in their faith. To stand firm means that you're gonna dig in and that you are determined to finish what you started. The second key to a thriving life as a man is to be a man of conviction. When you live by conviction, you pre-decide what your answer is. You're not swayed by popular opinion. You don't put your thumb in the air and get a gauge for the way the wind is blowing. You've examined. You've predetermined what your answer is so that the decision is already made whenever the circumstance comes up. When you live with conviction, you're going to stand out from the crowd. When you live by conviction, you're probably going to look a little weird. And you're going to take a minority position on some things, some things like how you view sexual purity, how you view how you spend your time and how you spend your money, the boundaries that you set around your life and for your family will look different than what you see in culture. If the key to growing in integrity is confession, the key to growing in conviction is discipline. It takes a lot of discipline to be able to stand your ground when the, the world starts telling you to do different things. A working definition for discipline is this. Doing what you don't wanna to do today so that you're free to do what you want to do in the future. When, when we are disciplined, we say no to the immediate pleasure so that we can reap the benefit of long-term fulfillment. 
right? We, we say no to that extra piece of pie so that we can maintain, maintain our health. We, we say no to the purchase of whatever it is that we have in front of us so that we can meet our long-term financial goals. And without discipline, we'll be tempted to bail out. We'll be tempted to compromise in some way and to bail out of, of what it is that we want to be able to accomplish in our lives. Over the winter, I, I didn't really pay much attention to what I was eating and I wasn't really working out that much. And so I, I put on some weight. And so over the last month or so, I decided I knew that I needed to bump up my cardio if I wanted to shed some of the pounds that, I, that I'd put on. So I was at the gym the other day and I, I was running on the treadmill. And man, it was a gorgeous day outside and I was not digging the run at all. And I, I felt like I was running in concrete shoes. It was awful. And so for about three minutes, the first three minutes of my run, I had this internal dialogue going on saying, Chad, you know that, that red button right there? You can just push the red button and be done. And I was trying to ignore this internal dialogue. and like, Chad, you know that button right there? Just push it and you'll be done. You, you can put yourself out of your misery. Chad, the button, the, the button, Chad. And so eventually I hit the red button and out I went. I, it was just too easy to quit. And so instead what I, what I decided to do is I left the gym and I, I ran outside because the good thing about running outside is there's no red button to push. And, and whatever distance I go out, I have to run back. Um, it, when our convictions are confronted, when, when things begin to be difficult, uh, when we get confronted by others' opinions, it, it's, tempting, it's tempting to give in. It's tempting to, to compromise, to bail out because it's hard. It's tempting to look for shortcuts. To, to try to find the easy way to, to get the results that we want without the effort, without the sacrifice, without the discipline. But that's not the way that it works. And that's why Paul looks at us as men and says, stand firm. Don't give in. Commit, be determined to finish what you started. Men stand firm and they stay in the fight because they realize that every choice that they make right now determines their future. That the decisions we make today will shape what our marriages look like in the future. The decisions that we make today will dictate what our relationships with our kids look like, what our character will look like from the outside world looking in. So are there some areas in your life, men, that you've hit the red button? that you quit prematurely and you would look and say, yeah, I need to shore that up in my life. Are there some areas in your life where the people that you love the most wish that you would quit? What area in your life do you need some more discipline so that you can stand firm with conviction? So Paul says, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith. And then he says, be men of courage, be strong. Some of you have another translation that actually captures this a little more accurately. Literally, this reads, act like men, be strong. So if you're taking notes, the third key to a thriving life is to be a man of action. A, a distinguishing mark of manhood is that men are committed to making their lives matter. I think one of the more devastating sins in, in the life of, of Christian men is passivity, to, to push back from the table, to stand at, at a distance with arms folded and not engage in their families, not 
engage in their communities. And I'm convinced that it's the fear of failure that often drives that kind of passive behavior. It's the fear of trying something and it not panning out or it backfiring in some way. And so men choose to play it safe and do nothing instead. But God is looking for some men that will just show up and, and try that they will be a part of his plans in this world. It comes down to the word courage. If you're taking notes, courage means showing up when it matters most to make a difference in this world. It's this courage to stand in the gap and to protect those that need to be protected. That comes naturally for us as we think about protecting our families or protecting, about, protecting the, the people that are close to us. And, and that is great. But I would encourage us to look for ways to broaden our action beyond just the immediate family members that we have in our lives. This requires that we become more sensitive to the nudgings, the, the whispers, the leading of the Holy Spirit, that the Christian life is one that is spirit-led. Uh, Paul says in Galatians 5, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. As we live this life in tune with the Spirit of God, he will make it clear to us when we need to take courageous steps of action. He'll open our eyes to see things. He'll open our ears to hear things as we begin to keep in step with him. That this chance to speak an encouraging word to somebody that's just having a, a rough day or, or the, 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 the opportunity to speak a correcting word to a friend or a brother that, that needs a little help along the way to take a stand, to, to fight some form of injustice that, that you see and that God stirs within you to, to carry a burden for somebody. What this action looks like, what this courageous action looks, can look like, it doesn't have to be this gargantuan thing. We, we can dream small and take small opportunities to act courageously on behalf of other people. God wants to use us as agents of good in this life to be agents of healing and restoration. And he calls us to live a life of spirit-led action. So men, what is it that, that God has put on your heart lately that you know that you need to act on? It, is there someone that, that has a need that you know that you can meet? It, is there a phone call that you need to make to begin the restoration of a relationship? Is there some kind of ministry that God has been shaping you for and directing you towards? As he leads, act on it. Don't sit back passively. Courageously take steps in that direction. And then lastly, Paul makes this all-encompassing statement at the end. He says, do everything in love. Unfortunately for us guys, the, the Hallmark Channel and the Lifetime Channel has hijacked the word love and has turned it into this mushy sentimentality that doesn't really resonate with us as guys. But biblical love is not defined as an emotion. Biblical love can be best summarized as serving the needs of others. And Paul is letting these guys in Corinth know that they can't live this life that he has designed for them on their own. They, they can't live this life that he has designed them to without the help of the other guys around them. In fact, in every one of the verbs, this is a little bit of a um, grammatical geekdom for you. So every one of the verbs in those four charges 
are written in the second person plural. And so that they could better be understood as y'all, right? You, you guys, all of you all be on your guard for each other. You guys stand firm in the faith together. You guys be men of courage and strengthen one another. Paul is insistent that these guys, if they are going to live the lives that he has created them to be, that they have to have some guys in their corner. So here's the last thing, the last key to a thriving life. Be a man of deep friendship. After college, most guys don't have genuine friendships. Guys in their 30s, 40s, or 50s just don't simply have any friends. And I think there are a few reasons for that. Primarily, I think it's time. As the responsibilities begin to pile on, it makes it difficult to chase after some friendships between going to work and providing for your family and making sure that you connect with your wife and making sure that you connect with your kids. You seem to run out of time. And the, the idea of having some friendships in your life doesn't seem as important as all of these urgent responsibilities that play out. I, I think another reason why men don't necessarily pursue these is we feel like we don't really need the help or we don't want to burden somebody else's, somebody else's life with our problems or there, there's a fear that in some way, if this weakness is known, that it might be used against me down the road. And listen, so some of these are valid. It's true that we are busy. And it's true that if you walk this life long enough, you've probably been burnt by somebody along the way. Men also are just more naturally closed than women to relationships. But Paul pushes back against all of that. And he's saying that friendship, deep, true friendship is vitally important in the life of a man. You can't opt out of community with other men if you want to experience the thriving life that God has for you. If you show me a guy whose life is in a tailspin, more than likely he is living his life in isolation. He may have some hunting buddies, he may have some drinking buddies, but there aren't any men in his life that have stepped in to give him wise counsel, who have stepped in to give him a loving and correcting word. I think the earliest warning sign of a looming crisis in a man's life is isolation is walking through life without any true friends. Because the fact is at best, most guys only know how to provide distracting amusements for their buddies that might be hurting. Uh, they, they can help us escape, help distract us, but, but they can't really help us thrive. The key to growing in friendship is the word humility. And here's how I would define humility in this context. Risking being known by a few so that I can attain God's plans for my life. It's risky to put ourselves out there and to be known, but we need this. We need some guys who really know us, who know our hopes, know the direction that we want to have our lives point towards, know our weaknesses. And that knowing that they can help us stay on the path that God has designed for us, that they can help challenge us and encourage us so that we grow into the man that God created us to be. You will never fulfill your potential as a man of God going it alone. 
Every man needs a community of brothers that are heading in the same direction, guys that are regularly getting together, whatever form that might look like, and whose purpose is your character formation. And you need a group of guys in your corner that are committed to you and who say, I'm here for you. I'm not going anywhere. If you're down and I can lift you up, I'll do that. If you have a need and I can meet it, I'll do it. And no matter what I found, find out about you, no matter what happens in the future, I'm not going anywhere. I'm in it for the long haul. So guys, who are you turning to that is helping you to live a life of integrity and conviction and action? Every guy needs a community of men in their lives that is helping them and pushing them towards God's design for their lives. And here's the thing, it's, it's never too early to start this. Um, we have some younger guys in here and, and I hope that you get these in your life real early. I think all the older guys in here would, would shake their heads and say, yeah, I mean, I, I wish that I had this in my life in my late teens and in my 20s and in my 30s and didn't find out until later. And if you have some boys in your life right now, maybe middle school and high school, I'd, I'd challenge you to, to sit down with them. Maybe watch this message over again with them and begin to have this conversation, begin to have this discussion about what it means to be a man and to live out God's design for their lives. And older guys, God's not done with us yet. It, it's never too late to pick these characteristics back up again. It's never too late to keep pressing forward and take, take the opportunity to pass along your wisdom, to pass along your successes and your failures to the next generation. Because isn't it true? It, this is what we want to hand down to the next generation. This is what we want to hand down to our boys. This is who we want our girls to marry. Men of integrity, men of conviction, men of courageous action. And we have the power and we have the responsibility to live this out and to pass it down to the next generation. But it starts with us. It starts with us grabbing a hold of these key truths in our lives and it begins today with us living it out. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word that is living and active. And I know as I wrestled with this text this week, um, you spoke to me and you brought some things up in my life that I need to walk towards. And God as men, help us Help us to chase after that integrity that comes from a life of confession. Help us to trust you, God, and know that your intentions for our lives is good and healing and you want to restore us. So God, help us to take advantage of those times of confession, to keep a close watch out on what's going on inside of our hearts, to guard our hearts. And God, help us to be men of conviction, that, that only comes through a life of discipline. 
Help us, God, to dig our heels in, to, to stand firm in our faith, to, to live a life where we have predetermined and predecided what is good based on what you tell us is good and right. God, help us to be men of courageous action that don't just sit on the sidelines, but as we see injustice in this world or as we see an opportunity to be your hands and be your feet, help us to hear from you, to see as you see and to walk towards that. And then God help us to have the humility to let our guards down and to let a few brothers into our lives, to have some deep friendship that will encourage us along the way as we chase after these, God. And we know that as we do, that it leads to the sweet spot. It leads us to a life that is thriving and flourishing. God, thank you for the grace that allows us to fail forward. And thank you for the forgiveness and for an opportunity as a community of believers to walk towards this. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for coming out, everybody. We'll see you back here next week.